So it's a joy to be together once again. It's a joy to be serving God. And so can I ask us, let's prepare our hearts for God's word. Um, Let's quieten our hearts to hear what God wants to say. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for a new day. I thank you, Lord God, that you've called each of us to be here for this time. And Lord God, even as you use me to unpack your word a little bit this morning, I pray for a deep work. Lord, Lord, I pray that they won't hear my words, but they will hear your words into their hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that as we, as we go into your word, Lord, that you will speak so clearly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I do want to start... And you might say, if you were here last week, you were saying, Pastor, you're wearing the same shirt you wore last week. Okay, that is true. I do have other shirts. A lot of them say every nation, but I do have other shirts. So at the back of the shirt, what does it say? Love like Jesus. That's what we're talking about today. That's the the title of, of my sermon today. That's our focus this morning. And so a little bit later in the sermon, we're going to ask a few of our team who are on our mission trip to come and give their testimonies. But I wanted to say thank you to each of you who prayed for our team. We had an amazing team of 17 young people. I was there and my wife, we're still young. I'm not hearing any amens. Um, And it was an amazing team. We had such a fun time. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit as we go about that, but it was an incredible time. But I appreciated each of you who gave to the team, who gave financially, who gave in prayer. We really felt your prayers this week. So we're going to watch a quick video, and the video gives a kind of an overview of the, the week. We have had to, because we're dealing with children who are in care, we blanked out their faces, okay? They actually do have faces, but we blanked it out just for, for, for public consumption. Scripture at the end was our theme 
for the mission as we taught in the Andrew Murray Children's Home in Wellington. And so that's the topic of my sermon, Love Like Jesus, this morning. And so as I was thinking on this topic, I came across a story um, which was in, it was in a, a normal press. I think it was in, on independent online IOL. And it was a fascinating story. It was a story of a guy called Rion, who was the co-founder of the Satanic Church of South Africa. Okay? Um, a little bit of a scary-looking guy. But I read his story, and I was blown away. And I want you to listen to this. He was interviewed in May this year at a Cape Town radio station. And at the, at the radio station, he proclaimed that he did not believe in the existence of Jesus Christ. He was pretty adamant about that on the radio interview. He did not believe in the existence of Jesus. After the interview, one of the staff members at the radio station walked up to him and hugged him. And this is what he said. He said, she held me in a way that I have never been loved. That's all she did. She just said it was nice to meet me in person. A week later, I saw on WhatsApp that she is a Christian. I've never had a Christian showing me so much love and acceptance unconditionally. That stayed with me. And it was one hug that that lady gave him. And what that hug did in his heart, as he started to kind of go, what was that? God worked in his heart to the degree that by the time this article came out, which I think was about the 6th of July, he had, God had worked in his heart. He'd had a personal relationship with Jesus. Suddenly he had connected with Jesus. Suddenly he had been saved and transformed. And he then resigned as he was co-founder of the satanic of the South African Satanic Church, and he resigned from the Satanic Church and worked, walked totally away. I think God needs a round of applause for that. Now, what was that element? It was one person, one hug. That's incredible. Can all of us hug someone? Okay, I'm, some of you are, are not sure. Okay. <laughs> We can all hug someone. We can all show people God's love. And so one key starting point when we show people love is prayer. When we pray for someone, like you guys were praying for us this week while we were on the mission, that's a key place we can love. I mean, we had an amazing team go out yesterday, and it was led by Kwanele. Is Kwanele here? I'm not sure whether Kwanele is here this morning. But Kwanele led the team, and they went and they prayed in our community in Parklands. That's how we show love. So go in your Bibles to Matthew 6. The people were asking Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus said the following, and we call this the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 verse 9, Jesus says the following. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Now we see a couple of things here. We firstly see that it's a relational. He says, our Father. 
Jesus is saying, come to the Father. And it's a relational, God wants to relate to you and I. But the main point I want to draw out of that this morning is, we pray these words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And really what this passage of scripture implies is that the kingdom is not yet here. And we saw that this week as we went to the children's home. We saw that the kingdom was not here when we heard stories about the battles of these young people. We saw young people who should have been in loving homes, not in a children's home. We see those stories in the news, if we watch the news, of people battling. And so the kingdom is not here. But God says in his word, we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done. That's what God calls us to. There was a young man that I met this week. We'll call him Mike. His name isn't Mike. But I was struck by his story. He was about 13, 14. He always wore a little brown, like a brown jacket. That was the thing he wore. And every day he would come wearing that same jacket and I had some time with him on Thursday, and we spent a bit of time unpacking a little bit. And it ended up being he had come to the children's home. His mother couldn't afford to keep him. His dad he couldn't find his dad anywhere. And he'd ended up in the children's home. He'd got involved in gangs. He'd got involved in drugs. He'd been to reform school because of his behavior. And he said to me, and so I was talking to him about God, right? And in my conversation, he said, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to talk to God. I don't believe in God because God put me here. And I could see. Ah, thank you, kind sir. Perfect, thank you. He's a mind reader. Um, God, and he was angry with God. And he was said, if the children's home have said, if I misbehave one more time, I'll end up in prison. And I'm hoping that was a threat just to keep him behaved. But he was battling and he was saying to me, he wants to run away to the mountains. Because we were there in Wellington and he says he wants to just go live in the mountains. And so I spent good time with him and just challenging him that God does love him. That was what our team were doing, showing his, God's love for him. And I said to him, Mike, I'm going to pray for you every day, and I'm going to pray that God speaks to you. And you know what? There was something changed in him by us just being physically present and showing God's love to him. And so we start with prayer. We show God's love by praying. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done because we're meant to push back the darkness. We're meant to be going out there and saying, darkness, you have no space. Lord, I bring your light. I speak your hope. I speak your light into this context, into this world. Now, I'm gonna be talking a lot about the youth mission. And for some of you who didn't go, some of you are like, why are you bragging about that? Or why are you, that's not the point, okay? And it's also not to say how great we are because we're not great, Okay, but I want to use it as an example of what, I want to, of what I'm encouraging us towards. And this was a transformative week. I think the young people who were there, their, their lives will never be the same because of this week. So we're called to bring love into this world. 
Now, what does the Bible say about that? So let's go to another scripture, which is Matthew 22. And we see what Jesus said about this thing called love. Matthew 22, verse 34 says, now the contest in Matthew 22, 34 is the, the, the religious leaders were harassing Jesus. They were trying to trick Jesus. And then we pick it up in Matthew 22, verse 34. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great and, f- the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Love God, love your neighbor. Those are foundational. That's what we, each one of us as Christians, are called to do. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. You know this passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. The whole chapter speaks of love. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But verse 1 of of 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse four, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I'm going to jump forward to verse 13. says, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so at the mission, our theme was what's on the back of my shirt, love like Jesus. Our focus was God so loved the world. And so we were talking about love. And so we started the mission talking to the young people to say what's meant to happen here is we're meant to love each other. As we love each other, we set an example for the young people we're ministering to in the week. And we bring God's love into the hearts of those young people. And it was incredible what happened that in those days. Because we spoke about the theory on the Sunday night before we went to the children's home on the Monday. And on the, as we went into the children's home, we got to know real children with real stories with real heartache, with real issues. And suddenly, what was theory became very practical. We also encountered real children who were misbehaved. We had little boys who, who were, were, were driving us crazy. Our team, after the morning, looked like they'd been in a war. They were like, they were almost white. They were like pale because they'd encountered a group of 20, I don't know, 15 to 20 little boys this tall who were all over the place, who just didn't listen. And so, but we got back that night and and the next night, 
And what was amazing is as we shared the stories around the circle, something incredible happened is God showed us his love. Because suddenly, we, we, we went there to, to minister to these children, but God ministered to us. Because God showed us his love. There was an overwhelming sense of, there was sadness as we saw these children and saw the, heard the stories of their lives. And we had this overwhelming sense of God's love. But there was this overwhelming sense of God's power as well. And so there were, we, I remember the one evening, I think it was the Monday or the Tuesday, we, would, we just sat in a circle and as we were sharing, there were just tears. There was, it, was, it felt like the saddest thing you've ever seen. There was sobbing. Um, but you know what it was? It was God's love. God's love ministering into our hearts. God's love being unpacked. And it was so powerful. And, and so as we went in each day, we took God's love. And you know what? Those children felt it. And God started to open up those young people. And so I'm going to ask two people. I'm going to ask Thomas and I'm going to ask Seth to come up and share. I don't know who wants to go first. Seth, you're ready. Okay. Let's welcome up Seth. Um, I must admit, I was sobbing. <laughs> so I went on this mission not expecting anything from it. It was more of a vacation away with my girlfriend and her family. <laughs> I was scared and I didn't know what to expect. The orientation day with the kids at the Andrew Murray Children's Home was one of the hardest things for me to do. Uh, stand up in front of 60 kids and speaking, but now there's about 120 of them. Um, I was in charge of the boys from ages five to nine and with my good friend Ethan. After spending some time with the kids, I soon began to realize that this mission was going to be far more impactful than I thought it would be. All these kids needed was God's love. They all have this tough shell that in some way or another can be cracked. These kids had pressed on a part of my heart that was undiscovered. The talent I saw in these kids was something special, and the situation they were in and the frustration built up inside of them broke my heart. All the kids had to call me Um Seth, <laughs> and I had to speak Afrikaans to the kids. It forced me to speak their language because I wanted to speak to their heart and not their head. The impact that this mission had on my life is life-changing. It makes me so grateful for what I have, and I'm never going to be truly satisfied that these kids don't have everything they've ever wanted, because if I could, I would give it to them. I hope that the seeds, I hope I've planted seeds that God will water, and I might not see a change today, or tomorrow, or in five years. But that seed that I've planted with all my boys will grow. They will grow into strong young men to take on the world with God's will. At the end of the day, I realized that God did not only send us to help impact these kids' lives, but also use these kids to impact ours in a much larger scale than you would think. And I say with full confidence that if you ever have the opportunity to go on a mission like this, go. I want to see more familiar faces on the next mission. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well done, Seth. Thank you, Oom Seth. At the end of it, by Thursday, we were talking to each other in Afrikaans. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah, Jabulani Oem. So Seth mentioned a couple things. Um, I mean, just language, the way that you talk, the way that you think. Um, going to the level of these kids sometimes physically, but also very much emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Uh, taking what we know, what we think we know, and presenting it to them. As we did that, there really was, I think, a massive perspective shift for many of us. I'm going to tell you one story that I was a little closer to, but I will tell you now that there were a number of stories with a number of the people on this mission that were very similar. So as a young boy, we'll call him Svanele, it's not his real name, but he was a little bit different. Um, he was in the, the middle age group, so kind of grade four to seven. All the other kids were you know, listening, do, doing the activities that they were supposed to be. Svanele was off on, on his own, kind of just looking at the table, looking at things on the table, playing around with something in his hand, when he found the organ or the piano, just pressing the keys. And the ladies there, the, the Heisma said, just leave him if he's, like, if he's happy, he's fine. He's a little bit different. And he just doesn't speak much. And that continued uh, Monday and a lot of, of Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday, no, it was Wednesday afternoon. This continued Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon. We're out on the field, all the boys are busy doing sport. And Swanele is just kind of on his own mission. He's just kind of walking around, but he sees a rugby ball and then he just starts throwing it back and forth, I think with Ethan or, or Seth, and he's just loving that. And so he keeps doing that. Um, Seth and Ethan have to go and do the program, so take over, continue, and then after a while, gets a bit bored, walks off to go walk along the fence and look at people walking past, and he sees someone walking a dog. And so I just pick up the ball, go and kind of walk along next to him and just walk. And we walk basically the full length of that field and I can see, eventually, I realize it's the dog that he's interested in. And so he keeps walking, keeps walking, keeps walking, and then that strikes up a conversation unintentionally, because I think, oh, wait, the dog, that's what interests him. Maybe I can show him pictures of my dog. My phone isn't even out of my pocket. Is it umsonst? And, I mean, thereafter followed, like, a long engagement where I heard Svanele speak for the first time, to the point where he wanted to do a video call, so I video called my dad, because um, he was the best person I could think of at that point. And he had a conversation with Swanele. And this then continued. After that, he went to go play cricket, which he hadn't done before. And he loved it. The next day, he was more engaged, I think, than we had ever seen him. Um, I remember, um, I mentioned now on Wednesday, he was playing sport. And he was actually playing back and forth. And I mean, Seth kind of touched on this. When we started, when it came to sport, like a kid who batted, the moment his turn was up, he's like, okay, but I'm bowling next. And there was just constant like jockeying and really fighting. By Wednesday, they're playing along with Swanele. Um, they're playing well, they're accommodating him. That morning, uh, the Thursday morning, it's the last morning, it's our kind of last worship session. He walks in and he just stands next to me, grabs my hand. And then uh, I think my, my wife comes in and a little bit later, grabs her hand. Um, he has to go out to do something, comes back in. I'm holding a little two-year-old who also just kind of came up to me and did this. Um, and I'm using two hands because it's been kind of 20, 30 minutes now. I'm getting a bit tired. Takes the, one, the free hand away and grabs it. And he participates in worship. And then later in, in that time, he was participating in, I think we call it manly aerobics, that Justin and, um, and Daniel run, it was to tire the young boys out, he was there, and he was talking and he was engaging. 
right at the beginning, just didn't speak, didn't interact. He was the kid off on his own, the different kid. At the end of it, he was fully engaging. He was reached. And there were a number of other stories, and I really want to just uh, give a little bit of honor to, to Tani Emily, because she did this with a couple kids. In different situations, she just sat with them. And uh, like one very quick story, one of our, our youth boys, one morning was just not happy, didn't want to participate. Something had happened. I don't know what happened. All I know is Tiny Emily took him, an hour later he came back with a bigger smile on his face. Um, our team members did incredible things like that, and I really just want to thank God for the opportunity to work in those lives and in ours, because I think both sets of perspectives were shifted. Amen. Amen. Last but not least. I was not expecting to be doing this, so if I start crying, we'll just pretend it's not happening. Um, Pastor Dennis also told me I was supposed to be getting the award for most emotional on this <laughs> mission trip because I was just crying all over. Um, I think because we were supposed to be impacting these children's lives, um, I don't think I was expecting for my life to be completely changed in a matter of four or five days. Um, I was the baking and crafts leader, so I was just helping them make muffins and doing all sorts of crafts with them. And just to see how excited they were to just do that for an hour, hour and a half, um, was so exciting for me, because I was like, I was nervous about this. I was like, I've never done this. I am no Gordon, Gordon Ramsay. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Um, but it was so cool for them to um, help me get excited as well. Um, also, when we were teaching, thanks to Auntie Angela for the programs, um, just these children were so, when I asked if anyone wanted to pray, the girls would just put up their hand immediately. They wanted to be the ones that were praying. Um, they would offer, they were listening, they were telling us stuff about God, and I was just like, whoa, I'm supposed to be telling you all of these things, and you are teaching me something as well. Um, as well, um, and... What was I going to say? <laughs> oh, and also because I don't think we expected to be speaking Afrikaans on this trip. Um, did not practice my Afrikaans enough. Should have been doing that. But um, these children just were so accommodating to us when I just could not get to a word. If I said it wrong, they, would just, they wouldn't even be like laughing at me. They would help me <laughs> and say it for me. They would just say... I'll give an example with Pastor Dennis. Um, we were doing rock painting. So the Afrikaans word is clipper, but Pastor Dennis said rotze. And, they <laughs> and all they did, the one child just said clipper. <laughs> but um, I just, like Seth said, when we have another mission, I think it would be nice for all of us to go even. It's just so encouraging and it's very much life-changing. Amen. Thank you, Erin. I was expecting Erin to cry, but she didn't. Um, so God did amazingly. And I, I want us to give our, our team, our, our youth team, a, a big round of applause. So I think they... So that's an example of love, okay? But you all, hopefully you will, we will do another mission, Okay. Um, and we will do many more missions. That's our heart. But 
we don't only love when we're on mission, right? And so what does that mean? What does all of this mean for you and I today, tomorrow? Okay, and so that's what I'm going to do just as we, as we, I'm going to give you seven quick points. The first one is when we are called to build a kingdom, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We are not called to build a castle. Now in our world, in our lives today, we often build castles. We build something that we, we keep other people out. We build a moat to protect ourselves. Even COVID has done that. We, if people mess up, we put them in the dungeon in the castle. Okay? And it's all about me. That's our lives in, in kind of Western modern society. But God, that's not God's desire. God wants us to build a kingdom. And in a kingdom, we don't have a moat. We build bridges. In a kingdom, we reach into the lives of others. We welcome people in. We don't build walls. In a kingdom, we extend grace rather than putting someone in the dungeon. That's what a kingdom is. And it's not about me then. It's about someone else. So we need to have a kingdom mindset, not a castle mindset. My second point in terms of how we love, and this is what the team did amazingly well, is we love by noticing. If you think of Jesus, what did he do? He noticed. He noticed Zacchaeus in the tree. He noticed the Samaritan lady at the well. He even noticed, he was on the cross and he noticed the guy on the cross next to him. He noticed people. And I want to encourage and challenge you and I to notice the people around us. When we notice, we're seeing that person is unusually quiet. That person hasn't come to church for a while. That person, um, I can see there's something happening in their life. And it has, can be in our church community or anywhere out there. People need to be noticed. They need to be noticed. If they're sitting on a bench at the mall looking sad, that's where we notice. We go up and we show God's love to them. Love also means, so, so number one, kingdom, not castle. Number two, we need to take notice, take time to notice. Number three, love means we don't get our own way, okay? And many times it's actually uncomfortable and we suffer. And so love bears all things, which means there's a weight that comes with love. When we, so like the team, using them as example, we went out there, it cost something. It cost time, it cost energy. They're all a bit tired today because it was a busy, crazy week. When we love, it's not going to be the most comfortable. When we love, we might love and we might not get something in return. But God still calls us to love. That's what we're called to do. Number four, we demonstrate God's love by action. Love takes action. It takes us getting out of our own kind of lethargy, our own comfort, and actually doing something, however small. Love in the children's home meant that we noticed a child, we had a conversation, we put up with the, the difficult behavior, and we still loved. We didn't box that person because they were behaving difficultly. We said God still loves them. The young people who came on the mission, they were scared, they felt out of depth, but they took the risk to love. And that's what you and I need to be doing. We need to say, how do we take a risk to love? 
It's always going to be a risk. The fifth point is we do not tell love we are. So I love my wife, right? And I can tell her every day, I love you, I love you. But unless I'm demonstrating that love, unless I'm being loved to her, I'm not actually loving her. And so as Christians, we can often say love, love. Now, this, this is a negative, so it's okay. You'll, you'll be okay. What I'm going to say next, when we were looking for donations for the mission, we put it on the church groups and we put it on the street group. The street group outgave the church. And, they, and it was mostly the non-Christians on the street group who outgave the church. And so that's a little challenge to you and I. Because we love in the small things. We love in the moment. We love, I had a neighbor today who was very upset. She wasn't upset with me. She was upset on the WhatsApp group because someone had parked in her driveway for the whole night. I think they'd watched the rugby, go book her, and then spent the night and maybe parked the car in the wrong space, right? She was very upset. But my little action to show love is to reach out to her and say, I'm so sorry. Firstly, it's not me. Um, but also, I'm so sorry about that. I hope it's going to be okay. Why? Because it's just a bridge I can build into her life into my neighbor's life. My, that's the fifth point. We, we, we are love. The sixth point is, which I've sort of already made, is we get to know, love means we know someone, which means we, we're called to love our neighbors. That's what the Bible says. And it means we get to need to get to know our neighbors, and that actually means your neighbors, okay? It actually means the person living next to you, the person in the office next to you. But that does mean we have to get out of our comfort zone and make an effort and actually go and love them. We need to make an effort. My seventh and final point is we love God and we love others by being an authentic version of who God's made us to be. I don't need to be someone else because on the team when we were there, do you know what? Different children connected with different members of the team because they connected with them, with their personality, with who they are. I saw Cameron. Cameron ended up connecting with a few kids on the roundabout. He won the prize for the best, prize for the best all-rounder because he, he was just on that roundabout. And that's how he loved those kids by going, I get dizzy even just thinking about it, um, by going round and around on the roundabout with the kids. And so different kids connected with different people and that's the same in the world around us. You don't have to be me when you're showing love. You have to be you, an authentic version of you. Just be you because that's beautiful. I had to pull that in there. Okay, so let's make ourselves available to God. Let's do that. That's open. You don't have to be on a mission to do that. You can do that today as you go home. And that's what I'm calling us to do. And so what does that take? It takes you saying, because we can have this grand theory of love is patient, love is kind, which is true. But what it means is if I'm walking past Anton in the shop, what do I do to show him love in those 30 seconds while I'm walking past Anton? As I'm coming and I'm driving, how do I show love to my next driver, Thomas, even if he's driving badly? I'm sure he doesn't. Okay. It's in the next 30 seconds. 
That's what God calls us. It's just that moment by moment. It's not this grand project. It's a moment by moment project that we called to do. So I want us to stand. And I want to remind you, we've been speaking about what, how we should be loving. And really, sometimes when I, when I speak like this, I'm, I'm worried that you feel like now it's an extra list, on, an extra thing on my list that I must do. But actually, what it is, is we should be love. As we step into the world, we're carrying the love of God, that God's loved us. And because he's loved us, I can freely love the world around me. So it actually just means you be closer to God. As God changes you, you love others. That's what we call to do. That's what we meant. That's who we meant to be. Did you want to just quickly share your thing? So I just wanted to share just a moment here. Um, the other day I was praying for um, someone who wasn't on a mission. I was praying for someone who who's been serving in church and been serving and really she was just tired. She was tired. She's worked many, many hours and she was serving and nothing is being seen of what she's doing and that's okay, but she was just exhausted. And as I was praying for her, I saw a vision, which I it was, it was two nights ago, I think it was, and I was reminded of it this morning and it was before I actually knew what um, Dennis was going to talk about today but I saw a vision of if you think of Jacob's ladder I saw a vision as I was praying for her I saw a vision of a ladder going to heaven and angels going up and down as I was praying for her and I felt like the Lord was saying, as we pray, as I'm praying for her, it opens up the kingdom of heaven and it's almost like a spotlight shines down and she receives the kingdom of heaven in that moment. In that moment, it's that ladder of angels going up and down. And um, Andrew Murray, it was so interesting, as I... Just after that, someone reminded me of a quote. Well, they didn't know what was happening. And um, they said, oh, come look at this. You know, we were at Andrew Murray's children's home. And Andrew Murray, I just read this quote. And the quote says, we must begin to believe that God, in the mystery of prayer, has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring its power down to earth and it was literally five minutes after my prayer and the vision of that and that you know it's, it's just amazing I just realized that like Dennis was saying when we praying for someone we actually fulfilling that Lord your will be done your kingdom come his kingdom actually comes into people's lives in that moment that we're praying but not just that as we loving on someone do you know that then you are conduit in that moment as you're serving even in his church even stacking chairs as you're serving as you're loving as you just say like he said a hug to someone or a pat on their back there's a moment where we then become a conduit of God's love and it is as it, it's when that is when kingdom comes into people's lives. That's when his will is done in people's lives. And I just I was so amazed at this. And I really I was so encouraged to know that we are partakers right now of God's kingdom. 
and that He chose us to bring His kingdom into people's lives. And when that spotlight shines on that person's life, in that moment, they transformed because they experienced God in that moment. And they cannot be the same again because they've had a moment where they experienced the kingdom of God in their lives. Amen. Let's close our eyes. And just with everyone's eyes closed, I want to ask, I'm going to kind of do two little calls this morning. The first one is if you are saying, Lord, I want to be that conduit of your kingdom. I want to live beyond my own natural abilities. I want to love with a greater love. I want to be, I know what, I want to know what it's like to be used by you. I want you to raise your hand. If that's you, you're saying, Lord, Lord, give me greater love. Lord, fill me with more of your spirit so that I can do what you called me to do. I want you to raise your hand. And if that's you, I just see all the hands and I want us to pray. And I'm gonna pray for you right now. And as you raise your hand, you're raising your hand as a declaration, the heavenlies, to say, Lord Jesus, I'm putting up my hand. Lord Jesus, I'm putting up my hand where I'm not going to accept a lesser life. I'm not gonna accept a safe life locked away in my castle. But Lord, I'm gonna have a life that's building your kingdom. I'm gonna have an uncomfortable life. I'm gonna have a life of joy, of love, of tears. Lord, I pray for every person who's raised their hand right now. Lord, I call forth your power to come upon them. Lord, even as they acknowledge by raising their hands that they need more of you, even as they acknowledge that they desire to love in a greater way, Lord, I pray that you will help them to do so. I pray that you will strengthen them. I pray that you will give them love in the moment to love their neighbor, to love the family member who has difficulty as they might be. Lord, to love the person they encounter in the street. Lord, I pray for your love and I pray for your joy and I pray for your peace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's keep our heads bowed. And I wanna to talk to a second group of people. You might be saying, I've strayed away from God's love. You may have never known God's love. It may be something where you've never come to God and you've never said, you, you've maybe heard about God's love. Maybe you like that guy who, who was just, just, just hard on the inside until someone came and gave him that hug. If that's you and you've strayed away from God and you know I need God or you've never known who God is, I want you to put up your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you. Is there anyone here? Anyone? God's speaking to you right now. Okay. Well, Lord God, I pray today. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you will help us to be conduits of your love. Lord, I pray, Lord, for every person among us, Lord God, that we will love like Jesus. Lord God, that as we walk out of this place, even as we share tea and coffee now, I pray that you will give us an overwhelming love. Father God, that flows. And Lord, I pray for, for that you will impact this community. You will impact our families through your great love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a big round of applause.
So I want to end with two things. If you want to volunteer, please speak to me or any of those people I, I, I pointed out. But I want you to go into this world today and say, what? Let, let me go in love. Let me go and practically do it. Because you know what? When we went on the mission, it was hard. It was uncomfortable. But as soon as you did it, what did we do? We felt God's love. And so I want you to do that this week because I want you to feel what we felt in this week. Amen. Amen. Let's go. We have coffee and tea at the back. Love to join you.